0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. Are you ready for Ryan Peterson? All right, let's go. Hey, welcome to uh, our new service times. Was it convenient for you to show up late, but on time? Late, but you're like early, you know? Anybody show up at 11, you're like, we did it! You're like 15 minutes early. You don't have to raise your hand, but... Uh, the 8 a.m. crushed it this morning. They did well. If you're thinking about coming to 8 a.m., uh, you should. It's amazing. They did they did a great great job. Um, but it's it's a fun thing to be able to have a little bit more room on the front end, and uh, we're gonna do it on the back end as well. So just prepare your hearts. After we go into the message, we're actually gonna leave a little bit of time for response. And so after this, we're just gonna leave some space where we just just be with the Lord. And you, you may not know what that looks like. It may be a little uncomfortable at first. But I'm going to give you some direction on what that looks like. But we're, just, we're still in allowance and space because um, one of the things that I was reminded of in, in uh, adventuring to do the, our new service times is not just to allow more time for more time's sake. Because anything that we can do, we can just extend more time. That doesn't mean that we're more proficient or it's, or it's more efficient in what we do with it. And so whenever we were talking about this more time, I got reminded of the parable of the sower. And one of the things that we frequently do is we hear the word, we worship, we come into church, we read the Bible, and then we just quickly go about the pace of society. And literally in the parable, there's at least three out of the four moments when the pace and the cares and the concern of society steal the very thing that God wants to to do inside of us. And so our response time is just going to allow for a little bit of settling. There's a picture of the Word of God in Isaiah 55 where it says God's word comes down, sometimes like snow, sometimes like rain, and it settles on the earth, and it does settle and penetrate differently. Snow obviously takes a long time. you got to break up the, the ground, and then it gets in. Water has to do the same thing, but sometimes it penetrates quicker, and God's words can do that. It may not transpire and bear fruit for another month, or a week or a minute, but it depends on the ground, which is the, the heart condition. And so uh, for us as a, as a family, just coming in and allowing some more of that response time on the end allows that ground, our heart to be uh, really broken so that we can open up and see what God's doing a little bit quicker so we don't just run back to the pace of the world and then lose what God is trying to hand to us. So that's one of the reasons why we're going to be doing this. Um, and I, I will tell you, as we gather together every single week... Uh, I hope this moves you to, to action. But every single week, we're gonna give you guys the opportunity to have the, the sermon guide, to pick it up on your way out, to gather some people around you. Or if you're already leading, facilitating a sermon-based, uh, the sermon guide, pick one of these up maybe for the people that are gonna be there. Because one of the things that we wanna do is, is, I want you to get this mentality that when we come in and we have these conversations about, uh, what God's doing and what God's speaking through the message, this is only at least maybe I would say half of, of getting this out. The other half comes by getting into a group and then talking and applying and praying into what it looks like to do something with what you just heard. Because, you know, we're not a church that just hears the word of God. Come on, somebody. We are a church that does the word. And we pick this thing up. Faith comes by deeds, not just by hearing, but by deeds. And so we pick this up and we've got to come back into small groups so that we can walk through community and relationship and apply the word of God properly in our lives. So if you're not doing that, I'm thinking you're, you're at least putting half on the table and just leaving it there. Nobody leaves a good dinner with more than half left there. Come on, you get to go bags, Right everybody does that especially i don't know if this happens when whenever you have kids is it is it does it happen the the new chapter when you have kids you love leftovers is that is that automatic like when i was in college i was like leftovers are gross you know he's like absolutely not but when you become a parent you're like yes leftovers is that just me or is that all parents uh, okay let's just move stick to the message right all right yeah you got it um Alright, so anyway, speaking of parenting, I was driving my kids to, to uh, the school. This is a, a little while ago. And there's a scripture that just really popped out at me. We were listening to, uh, scripture on, uh, on the car. You know, cause I'm a good dad. <laughs> I'm kidding, come on. And so, I don't do it every time. Definitely not. And, uh, and so we were listening to scripture and I, and I had to pause it and come back and pause and come back. I heard something that I'd probably heard a thousand times. It just stuck out to me. You ever happened to that before? You just kind of read through and you go, wow, that's something, there's something there or something on that. And uh, there's something on this scripture and here it is 1 Chronicles chapter 29 this is where we're going today. This is what I want to uh, address and really unpack is why we do church? Why are we here together every single week, Thursday, uh, Sunday, 7 Lakes, 7 Pass. Why do we gather together as a family? And um, and there's this verse that literally was was a, a history changer. All right, so the Old Testament previous to this verse that they all met with God in a tent. Anybody been to an old school tent revival? Come on, somebody. That, that's what Old Testament was like. they just pop up a tent and they just get rain or shine. They were in it, you know? And they were meeting with God and they were just hungry. And uh, and then they were like, hey, look, the cloud is leaving. Pack up your tent. Let's go. And, uh, and, and then the fire by, by night and the cloud by day would guide them. Pop up their tents. This is where we were staying. That was the method of the Old Testament. So if phones were in the Old Testament, you'd have to text your friends, bro. Where's church today? Well, we got moved left of the oak tree. Send, you know, like, oh God, it left of the oak tree. And so they they would do that, just travel around. And then in unparalleled time, new things were happening. New things were happening. This is just, behold, God's doing a new thing. Not just the Old Testament. I'm talking about today. And then David comes in and say, hey guys. I got, a, I got a great plan. I'm going to build God a temple, an ark. And then he addresses the, converse, the, the congregation, the church. This is what he says. My son Solomon has been singled out and chosen by God to do this very work. He couldn't, David couldn't do it. He had too much blood on his hand, but he had resources that he put aside. He said, my God is so amazing. A tent just won't do. We're going to build him a temple. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be immaculate. And we're going to know every single week, every single day, if you want to, to come to that place and to meet with God. And this is what he says. He's chosen. My son's chosen to do this work. And I love this. This is like a parenting line right here. Listen, he he addresses the whole congregation. And he says, Listen, Solomon's young, he's untested, and the work is huge. I feel like that was just a little slip in to, to be like, hey, listen, this guy may botch it. Just give him some grace, alright? Uh, a, that was a dad move right there. And then, and then, and then he says this, the, the place, the gathering, the temple, what we're gonna build, it's not just a place for you guys to mingle. Come on, let me just pause right here before I get to the real good part is, you know, this church, what we do on the weekends, not just a social club. It's not just coming in and meeting other people. And if, if you're someone who needs to network for your for your, your business, you don't come in here networking for your job. That is not why we gather together. We gather together so that we meet differently. I mean, listen, the rest of the world meets up for coffee. The rest of the world goes out to restaurants. The rest of the world meets up with their neighbors. But your gathering, when you meet with your neighbors, when you go out for coffee, when you go out for dinner, it's different. There's a distinct difference and a mark on our lives. You want to know what it is? It's the presence of God. We hold and we host and we carry the very presence. We eat, but it says we eat and we drink all for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. It just, it's something about us because we're light going into a place where there's something different illuminated inside of your life. So that when you go out and do the very common things. You live, you walk, you, you go to the reservoir, you go to work, you drive, you drive like everybody else. But there's something distinctly different because you're hosting and you're carrying the presence of God. And so David says this, this is not, the, you know, listen, this is this place that we're building. It's not just so you can gather and meet with other people. Listen to what he says. This is the part that I stopped and I kept rewinding and coming back to. And, and this is what it says. But it's a house for God to meet us. <laughs> yes. Everything within inside of you are like, yes, it's a house for God to meet us. It's a house. Why, why do we do church? Not networking. Why do we do church? For, for some speech to happen? No. Why do we do church? So that a concert can happen? No. Why do we do church? So that we can have a break from our kids? No. Why do we do church? I'll tell you why. It's for God to meet us. It's a place set aside. Do you know what that word means? holy holy is just set apart do something distinctly different you eat you drink you go to work like everybody else but do it differently set aside your time your money your heart your marriage your thought process come on somebody and what happens is it becomes a place where god meets us we're distinctly different our gatherings are different your lifestyle is different but I think that's also the corrective nature about why we're bringing this topic up. Transformation of our life happens when we think differently. Your mindset is massively important. What you think about and how you think about it is so needed for us to come back to a right view of God and a right view of how we're supposed to live life. And we do that by walking through the ability to be corrective. And I just want to bring us back into a moment as a family. Just say, why do we gather? I'll tell you. It's for this, a house for God to meet us. And when we come in making it about him, and in then, and then our gatherings making it about him, everything starts to change. Your perspective you the way you talk, the way you see things, the way you act, your demeanor, you start carrying peace because it's accessible to you. And this is this is the very moment in which we need to. But, but there's a problem. There's a problem. There's in the in the Western, definitely over here on this part, we've we've really we've really taken church and just it become more religious. And I think we just need to unpack and unlimit who God is in our gatherings I, I, I parallel church gatherings to, to, to the zoo. Anybody been to the zoo, gone up to Asheboro? Um, pop, pop of hands just in the past five years, just throw them up there, pop hands up. Um, Asheboro Zoo is pretty good, right? It's pretty good. Why, why do you go to the zoo? I mean, let's, uh, let's not joke around here. Let's just get right to it. It's to see the wild animals. I mean, listen, I know they have petting zoos, they have cotton candy and all that good stuff. And you might hit that on the way, but you're going so the polar bear will, will destroy that glass. You know, you really get close to him. So the gorilla and the ape can really just like breathe into the fog up the glass. He's really close to him, but you're really not that close. Because, you know, it's like thousand pound glass. Nothing's going to get through that. But what, what happens is I, I feel like we go to church and we're like, hey, what, what are you guys doing? We're going to go to church. Oh, man, it's amazing. It's going to be powerful. But it's sort of like the zoo. You go there to go see the wild animals, but they're all caged up. It's sort of like we domesticated God. You know what I mean? hes, he's We're going to look at him. We're going to view, but he's on the other side. What, what would happen? Come on, just use your imagination. What would happen if you were to go to the zoo, and when you're right in the middle of it, you check out all the little, um, uh, maybe little turtles, you know, and you you see the petting zoo, and then you're making your way there to the lion and and the tigers and 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 the bears and and uh, alligators. Maybe you get to that place and and you see the pace of the people start to pick up. You're like, man, what? what's what's going on here? And then and then a zoo attendant comes up and he's, he's on his way. He stops you, sir. Hey, listen, just want to let you know, um, all the wild animals, ha- the gates have been left open. Have a good day. You know, just boom, you know. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> so then you gather your family up. And you're like, okay, hey guys, do you remember when you wanted to go see the lion? Yeah. Today you might see a lion. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, let's go. Yes, this this might. You look at your kids. This might be the greatest day. And the worst day of your life, <laughs> yeah. like this might, you might see a lion and maybe a bear. Maybe the apes We're going to see, you might see an ape today, but there's no glass in between you. Like, that's the kind of thing that you come into church and you think, wow, that's, that's what it should be like. You text a friend. Hey man, I'll talk to you later. I'll be gone for a couple hours. Why? Wow, what are you doing? Going to church. And then, and then your friend actually knows the church about, oh man, listen, hey bro, I love you. Good luck in there. I may not see you again. Sin. You know what I'm saying? Says, man, is good. it's good to know you. You know what? We just come in. You're like, hey, just, just come in whenever we want. Do whatever we want. Church is different. It's like going to the zoo with all the gates wide open. You want to come? <laughs> yeah, come on in. But just know they're wild. And there's one thing you need to know about maybe not your God, maybe that God we made, but the God of the Bible will not be controlled and he will not be domesticated. I don't know if we're up for that. You know what I mean? Like, we kind of are, but I don't know, not really. Listen, uh, there's, there's a quote I want to share with you. Annie Dillard, and this is what she says about this idea. She says, um, I think on the whole, I don't find Christians outside of the catacombs sufficiently sensible of the condition. I mean, does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power that we so blithely evoke? I had to look that word. Was, it's, it means careless. Carelessly invoke? Or, as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are like children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill everybody on a Sunday morning. It's madness to think that ladies wear straw hats and velvet to church. We should be wearing crash helmets. <laughs> come on, somebody. Yeah, this, this is our parking lot team is going to be, you know, just giving out life preservers, flares, signal flares, and, and helmets, construction helmets. Hey, you're going to need this. Oh, what's going on in here? Hey, come on. Welcome to church. You text your friend. Hey, man, this, it might be dangerous. You look at your kids and you might see God today. This might be the greatest and the worst day of your life. That's what Hebrews says. Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Are you you with me? Like this is, this is what happens whenever we open up the word, whenever we come to church. And I think this is more of what it should look like whenever we gather together a little bit of fear, a little bit of awe, a little bit of reverence on who this God actually is, but we're not supposed to just pop in and, and just come in on a Sunday. We're not just going to come in and visit. Hey, you, you and I good. We're good. All right, cool, man. I love that song. You did, by the way, great message. And then just go about our day. Listen, when we, are, when we have encounters with something bigger than us, more powerful than us, it encounters something and changes something within us. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Um, pop your hand if you've been to the Grand Canyon. Yosemite National Park? Yellowstone National Park? Have you ever climbed Mount Everest? Yeah, I lost a few people. It's fine, it's all good. Maybe online you're like, yeah, I have... Um, Anytime you go to one of these amazing places, Yellowstone, Yosemite, or, or you go to the Grand Canyon, let's say you go to the Grand Canyon and you come back and you take work off and you're physically getting ready because you're going to go hike because, you know, it's not an easy thing. You can't just get off the couch one day and take a few days off vacation, show up at the Grand Canyon, tour the whole thing, and come back alive. So you come back, you know, you, you, you physically prepare for this, you take off work, and then you come back and your friends are like, hey, how's the Grand Canyon? Nobody ever says, Grand Canyon? Yeah, I mean, you've seen one crack, you've seen them all, you know? <laughs> You're like... What, Dude, are you blind? Did you actually go or did you take off three days of work, zoom in on your phone? Come on, somebody see the Grand Canyon and shut the phone off. because if you're there and you experience a Yosemite or Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon, you're never the same. And this is what it's like to come into church. We worship a God who's still alive, who's still worthy to be praised, who is worthy of our worship and does not want to be ever controlled. He is not domesticated. He's not like a pet that we just pick up every once in a while and he just strokes our emotions or our ego. He's trying to destroy the pride that comes up and opposes him. This is the war and the battle that's in our lives. And we need to frequently come in contact with something bigger than us. It just humbles us. And whenever we come in, we're not supposed to visit God. We're supposed to remain with him. We're supposed to be marked by the presence of God in all of who he is. So that then our Monday can be changed. Our Tuesday can be reconstructed. Our Wednesday can have some movement to him because of what just happened. What you came out of, what you encountered changes your heart. We don't come away from the Grand just But yeah, I mean, just a little crack in the earth. It's all right. I mean. Zoom in if you want to. But it's not really my thing. This is what we are made for. Psalm 145, David says the words, I think, practically, poignantly, really well. This is what he says. He says, uh, Psalm 145, on the glorious splendor of your majesty. Now, just slow down because those words are real thick and heavy with meaning. Don't, don't, don't speak through them too quickly. He mentions two things. Here's the first one. God's glorious splendor of his majesty. That's his nature and his character. Just intrinsically who he is. And then he says, and, so he, that's the first thing that he does. And then, and, on your wondrous works. What does he say? On who God is and on God's activity. On his nature and his ability. Three words, David says, I will Meditate. I'm undone by what I see. I love you for who you are. I am consistently awed about everything that you've done in my life. There's, you know, there's two places that the Ten Commandments are listed. Two books of the Bible. Ten Commandments are listed. And there's a slight variation of what you should do on Sabbath day on those Ten Commandments. Inside of the Sabbath day, both of them say to remember. One says to remember creation. The other says to remember remember your freedom from slavery in Egypt. Both of them says to remember. Remember who God is and remember his works. Every week, we're supposed to be reminded. Posture yourself. Get into a position just to be overwhelmed by who God is. One of the best ways that we can do that is enter the story of God. Open up this word and recognize this story, nor the story you're living, is about you. You happen to be one character, but you're not the main character. And the more you try to make yourself the main character of your story or of this story, it's just out of place. You're a supporting actor at best. With the main character being about the center of God, we make some of the worst decisions when we when we take our gaze and our affections off God and think, "Hey, we got this." This is exactly what Adam and Eve did. They're overwhelmed by God. They enjoy Him. They're walking with Him in the cool of the day, and then and then they're like, "Hey, man, that was a great meeting." And then they go about their day, and they eat the fruit they're not supposed to. I think I think I have it from here. No, no, no. Fix yourself. Look at the things unseen, look at the things above, not the things below. Fix your eyes on Jesus. There's so many languages to remind us to get your eyes back on heavenly things. To be undone and to be awed by the very majesty. David says, I'm going to meditate. Meditate means think about often. Meditate means murmur. You literally speak out the words that God has in your mind. This is a repeated thing that my soul, my emotions need to hear right now. I will meditate on the character of God and the works of who he is. And when we do this, Psalm 119 happens. Listen to this. Psalm 119 says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I can can do your commandments. I can do what's pleasing to you. I can walk in your ways. I can walk right before you. Why? Because God has enlarged your heart. You know, you have zero ability to forgive anyone outside of bringing the forgiveness down from God. You, you don't even have the ability to breathe without the grace that God's given you. God has given you breath in your lungs. And then he said, why don't you bring that back in worship to him? When, he, when you wake up every single morning, you know what that is? It's a package right when you wake up called mercy. New every single day. Every single Day, we have this ability to be able to gaze and to be awed, be just reverent about who God is so that our heart expands. And when our heart expands, we can actually give what we are overwhelmed with. We give forgiveness because we are overwhelmed. We give freely because we've received freely. We receive the love of God, so we give the love of God. We're, we're patient with other people, not because we're impressive humans. It's because I have been seeing and gazing and looking upon the patience of God and how he's patient with me. I'll, I'll, I'll be patient with one another. It's easy to do when you're just giving out of abundance. Worship is about generosity. Our life is supposed to be about the, uh, the abundance of what we already have. Willingly giving, willingly generous, willingly patient, willingly uh, forgiving, giving mercy and grace, not because they deserve it, because you have a lot of access to it. Are you with me? This is being overwhelmed by God. Our hearts start to expand. A.W. Tozer says, all of the problems, like, think about this, all of the problems in heaven and earth, that's a lot of problems. I think he could have said, all the problems in the room, (laughs) that's enough right here. This is what he says, all of the problems of heaven and on earth, though they were to confront you all together and at once, would be nothing. Somebody say nothing. Compared with the overwhelming problem of God. That he is what he's like and what you and I as mere moral beings will do about him. Listen to this. The man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved, I love this, of 10,000 temporal problems. What's the best way, not the only way, what's the best way, maybe the quickest way to get rid of all of your anxiety and your worry? Put your face, put your heart postured before a God who is so much bigger than you make him out to be. Be overwhelmed by God. Meditate on his works and his character. Recognize his vast glory before you. Open up the story of God and be overwhelmed with who God is. All of a sudden, those 10,000 temporary problems will start to fall to the wayside because they're nothing when you view who God is rightly. That's what I want to do. Come together as a church, as a family, so that we can just be open to say, God, I want to see you rightly. I want you to expand, enlarge my heart. I need you to give me eyes to actually see what you're doing, so that I can live the way you want me to. Last thing, I want to uh, share a story with you, and then we're going to go into our uh, response time. This story was actually come out of a book that I was uh, had a bunch of books that I was studying for today's uh, message, and this is one of the stories that came out, and I just thought it was a, a great capstone to kind of culminate where we're going. There was a story uh, the author was talking about. He was watching a TV show and it was centered around a man who was from another country and their tradition was arranged marriages. From generation to generation, every single person, their parents would choose. Who they were, I'm kind of laughing. You know what? I think we might bring that tradition back. The way our thing is going, I don't know if you want to release your kid. You don't make good decisions. I think I'm going to make. And that's not the point of the story. <laughs> anyway, uh, there was arranged marriages, and uh, that's where he came from. A tradition that was just given to that generation after generation. Well, he took a trip. He was an adult. He took a trip to America, and he got inundated with our culture, and he started feeling this tension between maybe wanting to go select his own wife. Maybe you wanted to go to select, and he thought it was a restrictive idea, and it was really starting to weigh on him the fact that his parents were choosing already had in line who he was going to marry. It was like a year out, a year became a few months, a month became a few weeks, and the culmination between this like TV series was him about to go see his wife, in which he didn't know, he just knew his parents had already picked her out. So he's in America, and she flies over. He gets a text. She's on the flight. Should arrive at this time. Um, now days are winding down to hours, and he shows up to the airport reluctantly, begrudgingly, I mean, just sulking. You should see the, the, the author says whenever he walks in, just shoulders are dropped. You know, he's just dragging his feet, and he's thinking, here goes the rest of my life right before me. And then everything changes because he sees his wife and she's beautiful. And they start to talk in the airport and it's like they are old friends, like twins removed and brought back together. Like they know each other and they just missed on the details and they can't wait to spend the rest of their life together. Everything changed when he saw her. And can I tell you, that is exactly what God wants to do. Everything changes when we get a glimpse of who God is. I don't know what your problem is, what your issue is, what you're confronted with, the confusion, the hurt, the issue. But one of the best things that we can do is get off of viewing our life the way we and start to view and look at and have a right perspective about who God is. And so that's what we're going to go into today. That's our response time. If you guys would stand with me. and give you peace.